morning everybody how are you good morning good morning good morning nice to see you and to our podcasters i hope it's nice listening to us um so how are you all feeling today mark's got his camera out he's showing off to anyone on podcast you won't know what's happening so let's read out some names hi pamela sharp jemmy jenny perry penny shrimpton um Rachel, Susan Kirsch, Ellery Jones, Hilary Daly, Karen Reynolds, Country Pumpkin. Those are just ones I can see. Good morning. Good old-fashioned film. Why are you pulling it so close? Because I, I can't see it. You don't need to know, do you? Oh, well, you like to read the articles, don't you? Morning, everyone. I'm dressed as a monk. I've decided, because we're going to be talking about communal living today, I think I should have gone into retreat back in my 20s, but we'll discuss that in, in more detail. We're going to talk about living on a commune. Could you live on a commune? We're going to talk about severe PMT. This isn't just normal PMT, this is severe PMT. We're going to talk about the real price of coffee, not how much they individually cost. I still can't recover from the fact that the average, the average price of a large glass of wine, according to these guys, was anywhere between 15 and 20 pounds. It's a large true? glass of wine in a pub. Really? Um, what else are we going to talk about? Uh, real price of coffee. So how much is it costing cumulatively across the year? This is shocking. It when is Mark shocking. told me today, it's shocking how much you might be spending on your coffee over We've got year. a coffee calculator that we can use just here. So when you, I'm going to ask you, you know, which place you got them from, what type, how often, and then we're going to calculate what you're spending on coffee in a year. Um, and packed lunches. But they're making a return. Why? Why? Well, obvious reasons. But what did you like in your packed lunch box? And what's in my pack? Are you going to make noise? Uh, no, sorry. I just, I look so pale. Fucking I've got a noise generator, on. aren't you? Are you having Are you a laugh? Just what with coming over. It's just like, ah. Get on with it. Well, carry on talking. I'm not stopping you. Yeah, well, in a minute, you're talking too loud. Um, anyway, I hope you're all well. If you're listening, apologies. I don't know why I hate packed lunches. The Dina says, Dina, you hate Dina lunches. just made me laugh so much because I said, this Saturday, I was on the phone, I said, this is, right. This is my idea. We're going to do a full-on, on Curly Cooks, packed lunches. Yeah, Super easy, budget ones done fast. Gourmet ones. We're going to take a trip down memory lane of our parents um a pack lunch. i said you know i was saying to Zina, i mean i still make the girls pack lunches when they let me because i they... love them and she said she said what the day that finley finished school and said i won't need any more pack lunches was the best fucking day of my life was it really she hated she had every single pack lunch she made she hated and our girls only ever really liked mine did you know that they were too scared to say it. As they went to school with their hair done in bobbles really badly. It's really funny now, though, isn't it? Because, they love they, your, you they know, love he'd do a crappy pack lunch. But eventually I've won after every single day talking about healthy food. Now, Kiki would say, could I have a really healthy pack lunch? Because, you know, I had, like, pizza last night. Have you noticed I rarely now offer up? I've really heard, and I don't offer up the naughtinesses that I used to offer up to the kids back in the day. I really, I really don't. But Damage I, was already done. I, oh, mate, you're such a dark person sometimes. Dark. dark and destruct, destructive. Um, Dina, I know why you don't like packed lunches. 
You don't like being told what to do, and you don't like the limitations, do yeah. you, of a plastic box? Yeah, that'd be what it is. Try putting Dina in a plastic box. But do join us this Saturday, because we're going to do every kind of packed lunch, and we're also going to do gourmet packed lunch for people that would like to spend a bit of time on a Sunday making themselves some lovely lunch. And we're going to do two... I'm going to do two packed lunches this weekend. I'm going to do the one that I used to make for the kids that would drive you nuts, and they would love. And I'm going to make, or endeavour to make, the one I remember from my childhood. And all I will say, Mum, is why were none of the packed lunch boxes or bags that I had ever waterproof? Yeah. <sighs> Dina and I are going to recreate the one Mums used to give us. God, embarrassing. Dina's saying there's lots of people agreeing with her. With so many people boxes. was... OK, let's have a look. Uh, gourmet packed lunch, Granny Scarlet. Looks sounded very exciting about that. Anne Illing is still doing packed lunches for grandchildren. Could do with ideas. Oh, there we go. Has anybody... Amanda, does anybody here enjoy making them? Amanda Roach, I pop a note, a joke... And a little toy every day in my... 19-year-olds! That's a happy Amanda. Meal. Amanda, I love you. I love that. That's so fun. I pop a note, a joke and a little toy every day. I hope that makes you and Dina feel really bad. I don't feel bad. Why not? I was making gorgeous breakfast. You never put little notes in. Night. I do. Notes? Yeah. Yeah, now you do. I'm but so annoyed. A few weeks ago, I made Maddie a lovely pat lunch. Put a really nice note in and she came in and I was like this and I said, uh, no, she didn't say, I said, how was your packed lunch? She went, oh, I didn't have it. Oh, no. She said, yeah, we went out for lunch. I was like, oh, that's, oh, how sad were you? Tell us how sad you felt. It was quite sad, but then I felt like a sad fuck for being sad, so I wasn't, didn't say anything. Did it cut like a knife? I said, it's still in the fridge. Because <laughs> I thought she could have it the next day. Oh, well, this is interesting and we'll talk about this on the Curly Cooks. The amount of guilt attached to not eating food. I feel terrible guilt if I don't eat it. My mm. nan made a couple of packed lunches, and if I didn't, I had to stuff it all in because I was, felt really bad like I was letting it down. Oh, um, that's sweet. Laura Lou, I love making them. I loved mine as a kid, and love the fact that I know my kids will open theirs and feel all homely. It's a little, yeah, see, Dina, it's a little pump of domestic home into the really hostile environment of school. Because let's face it, school's fucking horrible. It's really horrible. It's really Pain in the necky, it's really unfriendly, everyone's bullying you, everyone's nasty. Lorna Stewart. And you open that up and you go, oh. Lorna Stewart used to put notes in her husband's pack lunch. I used to make the pack lunches when you used to go to Bristol. Yeah, I know, know, yeah, on that long drive. I yeah. think we should put a link up here for people to give their stories of pack lunches. Someone, someone here, Grania, for Gran Grania you're still putting notes or you're still making pack lunches... Your husband, someone said someone's 30 and their mam is still making them packed lunches. Oh, I love it. Lee Durrant, my mum used to put a prize in our packed lunch. There were five of us and the prize would go in one box a week. This was like a lottery. Oh, so you're all excitedly looking through them. Did you then punch each other when I you didn't get it? I love that. Can we put a link up and get stories for Saturday? I love all these can. stories. I want more stories about packed lunches. I always felt, you know when you go into a bookshop... Good and, and bad those, stories. You go into a bookshop and you get... What used to be those really annoying books that are small, just parked by the till in a last endeavour to make you go, oh, I'll get that. Um, and they often work. I thought there should be a there should be a packed lunch cookbook where both sides of it are like sandwiches or each page is like, yeah, it's like a packed lunch. So give us your stories, good, bad and ugly. I don't know if, Michelle, if you're listening, could you put a link up, packed lunch link underneath, oh! if you are here? Right, should we move on to the coffee story then? I think we need to, because that was a shock and a half. That was great. What a wonderful espresso that is. That's a good, that's a good coffee when that happens. <clears throat> so, let's talk. Let's talk about coffees. I want you all to tell me, what's your favourite coffee? 
And then I want you to tell what, me... When you're buying it out and about. Yeah, when you're out and about. Do you go for a cappuccino? Is it a macchiato? Is it a flat white? Is it a espresso? Uh, is it an Americano? Um, and in the answer, I want you to put your favourite coffee and I want to put how many you get in a week and where from. So I want to know what type, how many and where from. What's the most common coffee you get when you're on the prowl looking for men? When you're out and about. I don't know, babe. Why I did feel, you say I that? I feel like you're a proud. No, you've lost yourself now. You're just being bloody stupid. Don't. Just saying any old shit. I'm not your prowler. You know it. I know it. Carry on talking because I'm absolutely at no, this no, no, moment. No, I'm not talking to you. Tell us so what. So you'll have to tell, talk. Tell. I'm not talking to you. Carry on. I'll talk to them. Tell them. Talking they shit. Here we go. Shelly Silver, skinny latte, twice a week, Costa. That's, that is the kind of information I can work with. So, whilst I work with this, Nads, you need to talk. Well, stop saying just random shit, then. I didn't. I'm sharing with people what you're like. <sighs> okay. Go on. So, what do you get, Nads, when you're out and about? I will get a cappuccino every time. Do you? Yeah. Every time? Mm-hmm. Nothing else? Nope. You never get an espresso? Nope. Oh. Gonna... But a cappuccino has a double espresso in it, doesn't it? Okay. So, what did you say? So, what did you say again? Uh, we've got... What, what, oh, where have you gone? Shelley, can you remember this? Skinny latte, twice a week, Costa. So, skinny latte... Where do you buy your coffee from? Costa. What do you get? Latte. Uh, twice. Small, medium, or large. Small, medium, or large, Shelley. Let's say, let's say medium. Um, and how many does she say she gets two. a day? Two, two a day. A two, no, two a week. week. Two a week. Okay. And you get uh, two. Okay, so that's just. And you get that once. Calculate. You're spending three hundred eighty-six pounds a year on your wow. latte. So you're at the lower end. You're at the lower well, that's end. That's a lot. Okay, Orla gets a frappuccino from Starbucks. Very okay, expensive. Starbucks. How many? How many times a week do you get them? Oh, you need to. We can only put it in now once you've got them all. We can't do that. You've got to oh, put. Okay. You've got to put all answers. So let's have a look. Let's have get someone else. Uh, uh, when you're out and about. Um, well, let's do you. Okay. Let's so do you okay, on an average, I probably get. Let's have a look. Where's it gone? So I probably get, I always get, it's always a, well, it's not actually always an espresso, but of those three, I used to, I now go to, bizarrely, Cafe Nero. Um, I would probably have an espresso, but let's say that I always get a double, so that's two. If, oh yeah, double. Um, I probably get two of those, maybe three of those a day, probably three days a week. Let's go. (gasps) Across the year, £1,240. Across the year. Wow. Wow, wow. Come on, let's do someone else. Let's do one other person. Obviously, it's a bit, it's a, it takes a little bit of time putting it in. Um, let's have a look. Uh, 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 here we go. Laura Lou, three medium cappuccinos a day, five days a week from Costa. Right, we're working no. that one. So three medium cappuccinos a Blimey, day. you're going to be able to get a cough, a loft conversion three if you stop this. Three medium cappuccinos a day. Five, where did she say? From Starbucks. Yeah. Did you say Starbucks? Yeah. Yeah. Calculating. Almost £3,000. Almost £3,000. And guess what? If you'd saved that money in an account paying 5% interest, you'd have now nearly £17,000. Shut the front after door! Five, after five years. Just, just on your cap of whack It's an important detail, this, because I think coffee is an insidious little fucker. 
Coffee is a little insidious little fucker because you don't, th for some reason, it's like you don't really think about what you're paying for it. It's bizarre, isn't it? You, especially when you get an espresso. I mean, the espressos are the cheapest, but they're the shortest, aren't they? Happy birthday, Avril. Quite Make something. your coffee at home. Get yourself a really nice carrier. Uh, yeah. that you can take in the car with you or whatever and, and do your... Yeah, Karen Reynolds, I go to Cafe Nero, nicer coffee... I, I like Cafe Nero, actually. I just don't like their... I don't like the interiors. They're a bit sticky. Uh, I go to a, a Cafe Nero, but it's a treat once a month on average, as I've already worked out how much I was spending on it. Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, wow. Okay, well, there's some indicators. What's that picture on Nadia's mug? It's... Uh, yeah, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Okay, well, there we go. How much is the coffee? Okay. Um, Incredible, isn't it? Is it is Where it, is that coffee calculator if somebody wants to do it themselves? It looks like, yeah, look, Sean de Cruz says that's £3,000 to go on a world cruise with that. <laughs> well, yeah, but with, with the other person just then, it was £16,000 you would have saved over five years. Obviously, if it's in a 5% interest account, which, let's be honest... There's very few of them, so, you know. Um, is anybody going to change their coffee habit now? But the thing is, what you've got to do for things like this to really work is you've got to put that money in a jar or something, haven't you, so you can see it. And so, like, like you know, 1,200 quid. Yeah, so every time you don't have that coffee, if you've got that yeah, visual yeah, thing and yeah. you think, right, well, that's an extra holiday. Yeah, there you go. So there you go, guys. Well, on that very note, true. let's talk about urinating, shall we? Do you want to go straight to urinating? No. I know, it's one of the stories. That's the most disgusting word. I didn't invent it. Well, why did you have to say it like that? It was horrible. There's no other way to say it. All right, carry on with the story then and then I'll respond. God, you're like, what's wrong with you? We've gone straight from coffee. Urinating. It's unpleasant. If somebody's sitting having a nice biscuit and a cup of coffee and you say that's not nice, is it? Let's go to communal living then. To share with us about community. No, you, you do it. I mean, what are you doing anything? Am I just here for what you here for? Okay, the I'll do it. But will you let me say it or will you interrupt? Why are you doing this? It's... So what do you think about this? This is a this is an article that warmed my very heart. Can you just get the article? So yes. this is a group of people <laughs> that decided to go a little off-grid, let's say. So this group of people wanted to build a really healthy community like a commune and um they've done it. it took 13 years of dreaming it says peril and hard graft but the residents moved into canic mill an eco village that tackles both the climate crisis and loneliness i just love this as an idea Kay and jane and i often talk about this about imagine if you when you get older you just like you know, you get like a row of houses or you get like an apartment block. I remember a while, sorry, that's just the coffee. I remember um, a while ago seeing actually a, um, an article with a group of Japanese people that had brought a, bought a whole block and then they moved friends and family, all friends and family in. If you think about that, it's just so smart, you know, and they shared the upkeep of the building and bills and of course if somebody was ill somebody else in the community would look after them as loneliness started to stare them in the face as they got older they knew that they had a community to look after them um and it really really appeals to me but when you drill into and very much for them it was about being eco-friendly as well uh so they go they got um da, 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 we head into a grade two listed mill. So it's a listed mill, which we converted into three-storey social hub 
for the 30 homeowners. So they've even got like a social club. Oh, and it's lovely. It's all wooden and just gorgeous. And, and it does sound like the ideal perfect dream. Mm. But right. is there such a thing? Let's ask a point to a poll. I think them. because they've all got their own homes, it's a possibility. Right. If you're living in a commune, a commune, I think people um, can just get on each other's nerves, can't they? People, everybody lives their life so differently. I mean, you've only got to go on holiday with a big group of people that you've loved for years and suddenly go, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, they're a bit. <laughs> so I would love to believe in the dream. I really would. But... So in a sense, yeah, this group of people, what was interesting, I mean, they're all of a certain age now, obviously. Um, I... I... My problem with this article is it's one of those classic ones that The Guardian, I read, I'm a Guardian reader, and I will end up being one of these people. So it's, this is a self kind of mm. harm comment that's coming in. Mm. But they're all very middle class, they're all very white, and they're all very uh, of a Guardian readers. Um, and, and I don't mean that in a horrible way, but I do think it's quite a rarefied thought. It's an idealised thought, but I think... You know, the idea, I mean, this but they're not, they're not excluding themselves from the rest of the world. No, it's just no, they're where not. they live. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you could say that of any group of people where they live. Yeah. But they're still going to go out into the world. They yeah. haven't, they haven't gone yeah. off grid, so to speak. They're not like, not mixing. No, I agree. And, but, but, I, so it sounds like I'm poo pooing the whole idea, but I suppose I just have that sort of slightly Islington wankery kind of feel, vibe feeling for a moment. And then I think back to seriously, you know, I've talked many times about friends of mine who've been Buddhists, went into retreat. I, I can absolutely see the appeal of kind of going off the grid and kind of being a self-sustaining community. I, I think I would struggle, p perhaps, with the constant sense of not feeling like you've got your own space. But like you say, mm. I mean, if there's a room, you can have your own space, right? Well, I think everybody's got their own home. That's yeah, the yeah, thing, exactly. isn't it? I mean, I, I suppose you just have to have really good rules and regulations right at the beginning. Like, you don't just turn up. Like, if you anything that you wouldn't do in your if you lived if you didn't all live next door to each yeah. other you would do the same so you would just call or you would text is it all right yeah. but what if you go off somebody a bit yeah and what and if they're starting to really annoy you or they've just gone you know how some people when they get older can just become so negative yes. and ev so they could have been a really buoyant positive person when they're younger and as they get older they just moan about everything yeah every time they walk in it they're moaning about something you could just and, and then, like, they, you're, they're your neighbour, whatever happens till you die. Yes, and I think the point here is Definitely they all, they all had this idea when they were 40. They're all now in their 60s. I mean, imagine if you've then moved in with someone who every time they get up goes, oh, I mean, that would just drive you mad, wouldn't it, after a while? It would just be constant. That's a good point. Spinner's end, how do I say, sorry, Spinner's yeah. end, seven. There's always a leader. Very good point, because could it turn into a Lord of the Flies situation? Which, just on that note, really interesting point, because me and Maddie, Maddie, Maddie has got me to watch. Oh, my God, why did we miss Squid Game the Challenge? It's the greatest show on television. I mean, it takes the traitors and gives it, like, It's weird, crack I find cocaine. it a bit depressing. It's weird, yeah, isn't but it? It's cause it, it? because it's so, there's so many layers. It's not, it's not primetime entertainment in that way, I suppose. But anyway, there's a lot about it. Anyway, there was this late, latest challenge, I think I'm on episode seven or eight, and a really nice guy was leader. I was, I'd be happy with him. He's a really nice guy. He's a good guy. He's a kind rare, guy. Rare. Rare. Look around the world. Look but around. there were so many people. So I think, yes, there is often... So this is an interesting debate, this. People do naturally gravitate towards leading. You see it in I'm a Celebrity, don't you? It's often what causes the aggro around the cooking and all that kind of stuff. 
But in this instance, having watched the whole series, and obviously you haven't seen everything, but I thought, well, he's all right. He's, his values are good. He is doing it for the team. He has got them through all sorts of pickles and all this kind of stuff. And then they showed some really choice cutaways of people around him. And sometimes it's not always about a leader being a pain in the neck who becomes a leader. It's lots of other people who will bemoan whoever else becomes a leader. Right, so we're already having a row. <laughs> well, no, no, but do you know what I mean? I think there are lots of people who like yeah. to have a moan, but don't actually want to step forward to take the role. So they'll sit back and sit back. And whoever is chosen, they won't, they'll find a reason not to be happy with it. And I think you're right. I think, you know, being in a commie could speak to this. I, I don't want to share who it was, but I remember going to college with someone who grew up on a commune. And forgetting what happened in, in the rest of their life, she was, I was struck by how absolutely open she was mm. at I college. I like communal living. She was so awake and alive. And I often thought, when I think back to her still to this day, I think, God, I wonder how much of that was because of the communal living, you know? Well, I do think it's, I think, you know, I grew up in a like big, busy family and I think there's so much that is absolutely brilliant about it and I wouldn't change, but there are real difficulties with it as well. You know, it's, there is nothing that is perfect. This sounds like the idyll, but, and it's incredibly um, comforting. I mean, I don't know how, how long these people have known each other and, you know, how... I certainly know the the group of Japanese people that I read about. Mm. They were like great friends. They were like they were quite young when they, were they? got their block. Yeah. yeah. So um, and they're huge, hugely important in Japan because of course they have a huge problem with sort of people living mm. isolated lives, mm. certainly yeah. young men and, uh, and what have you. Uh, the other thing I think this speaks to as well is maybe this is very much a British middle class guardian thing because many other cultures don't shy away from the sense of community throughout their family lives. I mean. You know, I've been struck, you always talk about that in, 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 in sort of Arabic families. I've often come across mm. that in sort of almost every other culture other than our own, yeah. where we seem to be fascinated in this in this country with once you get to a certain age, you leave, you don't talk to anyone, you go off, you do all, do you know what I mean? It's sort yeah. of, we're weirdly... I mean, look at us, we all still live next door to each yeah, exactly. other. Yeah. <laughs> when my dad, my dad said, as you started to look like you weren't going to fit in the house much more, he like converted the garage... Yeah. In, into into bed into bed sits for me and Dina, and then we did the same thing without see. even realising it. Oh my God, it's so funny. Uh, what have we got on the vote here? Could you live in a commune? Wow, twenty eight percent yes. The vast majority of you know. Wow. But a commune suggests you're all in one living space, doesn't it? Yeah, Where this is a community, I think it's a whole. It's a village. If you imagine a village yeah. that you make into the kind of village you want. Yeah. Okay, well, one of the things you might come across if you were living in a commune is someone, well, maybe not with women of this age, maybe more menopausal, but you could well be living with someone who has or struggles with severe PMT. And this isn't something I'm being funny about because this is something that totally, severe premenstrual tension is a huge problem that doesn't get, I think, the attention it deserves. It's actually now PDD, isn't it? Premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Does anyone here struggle with extreme premenstrual So, so it's, a, it's a severe form of premenstrual syndrome. Um, and this can often make just life very difficult. Brain fog, terrible pain, terrible pre-cramps, then terrible cramps through your period, heavy bleeding, brain frog, brain fog, brain, brain frogs, frog, oh brain God, frogs, they're brain, terrible, brain, brain fog and depression. And, and in some cases, this gets, gets so bad that even suicidal thoughts can come through. Now, 
So this is a study that's published in the Journal of Affective Disorders. has found that 1.6% of women uh, of childbearing age have it. I was amazed by the number. So that's nearly a quarter of a million. So, yeah. But the thing about this is, is that we think, they think a lot more women have it, but they've made, what's it called, the parameters. The definition of it. Yeah, so, 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 so difficult. And so a lot, of, a lot of women, I think the number's going to be way, way, way higher than that, mm. are suffering in silence. We touched a bit on this on Friday in this room, I can't remember what the topic was, but anyway. So treatment options often include antidepressants, hormonal contraception, talking therapies such as CBT. Reading this, when I saw it yesterday, it almost struck me like what they seem to almost be suggesting is that in microcosmic monthly dosage, it's almost like all the highs and lows of a, of a well, all the lows of a it's, menopause. It's, a, it's horrendous. It's, and there's very, very little training for psychiatrists and medical students. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Only 40% of medical schools teach anything about the menopause. Mm. Now, that's what I was saying, Loose Women, on Friday. I was saying, you know, what one of our daughters... She has the most agonising pain. She's curled up in a ball. She has like 21, 28 day cycles. So it's like terrible, like, you know, brain fog, all of this stuff. So it's almost like a constant thing. And she had, I mean, she has this, there's mm. no doubt about mm. it. Mm. But you know, when, I, when I've called the doctor, it's like, well, let's do an anemic test. And if that comes back, they go, well, so the last doctor said to me, sounds what you need to do is like not have any periods at all. So let's just put you on the pill. Mm. Well, the pill, what was that line that Hannah said the other day? Oh, well, she said it single-handedly as one of the most... Well, she thinks... Well, I shouldn't say it. She's no, lots of people no, in the pill. But no. basically, the pill is, 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 it was a wonderful thing in the decades ago that it was invented, but there really hasn't been any further research on that. And um, our daughter just doesn't want to go on the pill. She doesn't want to mess up the hormones like that. But... And so as we go to... Um, um, uh, what's it called? Acupuncturist. And said, you know, to just go on the pill, to deal with something that is so massive, just to suppress the hormones, what... And it just feels like there's no answers. Thank mm. you for saying about endometriosis. Mm. Um, because I'm just starting to find out about endometriosis. Fucking hell, it's so awful, mm. isn't it? Mm. My friend has had it for like 20... It's just awful. Anyway, the point that I made on this one was... We learned from such a young age, when our daughter was really in agony the other week, and our other daughter said, my God, there's never, ever a thought, is there, that when you are this much in pain, brain fucking, that we wouldn't just carry on and, and just do what we've got to do. Mm. So from a really young age as women, we learn, you know, right when you first get those pains, to say nothing, to smile and carry on. Mm. And I think that's why, you know, that... I've been telling you about this book I'm reading, Eve, what's it called, Million Eve, yeah. Eve. It's all about how we've been so let down by medicine as women. Medical. How masculinized, masculinized is things like antidepressants have only ever been tested on men's brains. So who knows if we're even getting the right dose? And, and I think this will be really good if there is more of a move towards understanding this because talk about suffering in silence... It's just not right. Imagine if a man, they say that bad period pains are the equivalent to the pain of a heart attack. Yeah, I was going to say that. And, you know, our daughter, she, one of them, I don't want to say who because it's her personal stuff, she literally dreads it 
as she's coming towards it, dreads it. And and is that and I'm like, is this how she's going to live for the rest yeah, of her exactly. life? Well, on that note, Zoe, uh, it's really bad. It can trigger my depression badly. It's very stressful and causes so much irritation. I'm convinced it's why I'm single. You, you know, yeah. I I, th I think men. The the only job men have right. to do here yeah. is just hear this sort of thing. Listen to it, Lee. I see that you're you're talking about the fact that an ex girlfriend suffered really really badly. I mean, it's made me, these things are really awakening moments because it makes me reflect on many things. I mean, mum, I'm, I'm sure you won't mind me saying this when you've heard this. No, um, I know sorry. that, I know that my mum used to have incredibly um, sort of, you know, it would be almost a family joke that it was that time of the month. I mean, the time of the month thing uh, where, you know, mood swings and everything else like that would go become quite extreme. Yeah, um, and so mum, consequently, of course, one looks back and you sort of, then you think to your nan and I've thought, rethought menopause and my nan, what my nan was like as a person. And you realise that so much of what makes being a woman, but it's the same with mental health, I guess, for men and women. So much of what makes you the person you are and the memory of the person that you've become and who you are in a family is being dictated to you by so many things that we had no awareness of back then. So, yeah. I mean, but it's it, interesting, isn't it? Because what, I mean, Zoe just articulated it there and it's what we see with one of our girls. You, you... We talk a lot more now about mental health and there's a lot more understanding, but my God, don't talk about it in connection to your periods at work, in front of certain School. people. We learn to joke it off. We learn to... I mean, Kaz was telling me, my friend, she was saying, she, she would have to wear four sanitary towels. Wow. By the time they went... By the time she got proper care, after 20 years of agony, her endometriosis, she said it had grown on her bowel, on her kidneys, on her it had just gone everywhere. And I think it's really, really important because we learn to just shut up and just get on with shit, these numbers, these figures aren't right. So keep going up back. If your GP says there's nothing I can do, just keep phoning up, well, I'm going to need another appointment because we need to show... Um, how vast this problem is and how much we, we've just learned to shut up and it's mm. not right. Mm. Uh, yeah, good question. That, well, good question. Lollipop says, I can't deal with other people's mood swings. Get a grip is my advice, old school. And then Wonder Woman asks a very good question about what about when you're in a mood? Do you ever get in a mood, good chip lollipop? <laughs> um, I think we all get in moods, don't we? And I think it's all about... We, I, and I think the, the person who's least capable of judging what kind of a mood you're in when you're in a bad mood is actually the person in the mood because you're not presenting... You're not having to deal with you. Everyone else is dealing with you. But, um, I, but I think it's not a mood. It's no, a huge no, no. hormonal shift. Yeah. And if you think of it like the ups and downs of taking drugs or being drunk and then being hungover... Every single day, women's we are as women, our hormones are are are, are going are doing crazy things. Mm. Some women suffer a lot more than others, but because those that don't don't, they mustn't say, "Oh, a breeze through my mind." Oh God, I never had a problem. Mm. You're lucky. You're you're the we are the lucky ones. You know, mm. I did get bad premenstrual tension. I used to get low moods. I used to get sometimes period pains, but it wasn't ruling my month like no. I watch with our daughter and mm. it's 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 i think it's heartbreaking well i think you know so many of these things about the sort of societal intolerance of diagnoses and there was a thing on the radio today about you know nick ferrari bemoaning the idea that everyone's got bloody adhd and all the reason all these things kind of are seen as obstructive or annoying or perhaps women have been forced to just overlook them and get on with them is because it gets in the way of making the system work. You know, everything is systematised. And I think the more you move through life, the more it becomes apparent, whether it be the schooling system, whatever, it's all actually constructed to make the country simply productive, not in a way that's necessarily suitable to you as a person, 
biologically, emotionally or mentally, but just you as an economic aspect of a whole system. And I do think it does, and I think that's what this book Eve is about, it does filter down to the microscopic things like why can't women talk about these things or flag them up? Because the reason being is employers and employment tribunals would be having an absolute hissy fit again. What do we have to accommodate this to? Well, yeah, maybe yes. Maybe you do. Zoe there says she thinks she has about one week in a month where she's okay. That's what we see. That's what we see wow. with our daughter. Wow. And, and, and But you will... Um, just to say, my friend Kaz said the only thing that really helped her was acupuncture mm. until she had her hysterectomy. Really? So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so always just bear that in mind. Just bear that in mind. So um, let's talk about packed lunches. Packed we've done packed lunches. Did we? At the beginning. Oh, yeah. did we? Oh, we've done that. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Packed lunches. Uh, so, I just wanted to say one thing. Actually, on periods, again, just a moment here on Palestine, there is absolute, there has been no sanitary care whatsoever in Gaza since October. Imagine this. Imagine these girls who are having their first period. They've lost their mum. They don't know what's happening. There's no paracetamol. And they're using scraps of tent and carrier bags to catch the blood. It's absolutely horrific out there. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and women, no antenatal care whatsoever for the women. So it's, it's dire. So on that note, Dina and I are um, going to be taking part on the 10th of February. We'd really, really love it <clears throat> if as many of you can would buy a ticket. It's a Saturday. Is three pounds, okay, it can be your way to donate to help these people that are in dire need and looking to humanitarians outside of the politics and everything to see them. And it's a cook-along and it's going to be a lovely evening because it's going to be like lovely Palestinian food and um, stories, lovely stories. I'm going to let my dad to send some stories actually. And it's with Rahil Misra. He's the one who's invited it. It invited us. It's his cook-along. But Dina and I are going to be doing a cooking piece in it. And then we're going to be, like, sitting chatting with him and stuff while he's cooking. Mm. So it's £3. Um, I couldn't go to the last one, but I just, I just bought the ticket anyway. So you don't have to be there. He will be releasing the list of ingredients that you can buy if you want to cook along. And it's a dish I've shown you before, actually, moussachen, which is the beautiful chicken mm. one with the rice, mm. with the onions, and the mandina makes something different. So I'm going to put the link under here. If you could share that link wherever you can, three pounds per person, and this is global. This is going right across the world. So just the thought that people that are feeling so frustrated—it's a tiny little thing, I know—but you know, imagine how many people there are in the world that do a tiny little thing can make a difference. So please, I, you know, if you've ever loved anything Mark and I have done, please just buy that ticket for three quid. All it says, just be kind. You never know what others are going through. Absolutely. You never know. Going back, speaking back to the whole idea of someone, you know, suffering in silence and perhaps not even necessarily knowing they're going through what they're going through with premenstrual tension or anything, any mental health condition. Um, also, just want a, a quick shout out to Kerry. I've just seen your comments. Sorry. It's kind of hard sometimes to thread in a very personal and specific uh, uh, thing, but I really hope it goes well with your dog, sweetheart. So yes. yeah, hearing that. Um, uh, just a couple of other points. Um, some people asking, are you doing? Is it the live tonight? Yes. Your, yep. So body image is is live tonight. Um, and then obviously I said the word urinating earlier, and it caused great consternation and upset. But there was a reason for that. I wasn't just saying the word urinating. This is a, a quick story about uh, whether a, a certain council in Hertfordshire 
or Hertfordshire, have said that urinating in the countryside is actually littering. And I think, yes, that speaks to something. Uh, weeing in public is a tricky thing <clears> because I think, you know, there, there's this, I think we, we covered it a while back where someone was having a wee and they were prosecuted for littering. And he said, well, I had a, an enlarged prostate. And then you made a really interesting point just briefly before we went live saying, could you imagine that allowance? But you don't see pregnant women squatting in the verges. So I was, in, in, I was on Instagram and somebody said some people have medication where they can't stop weeing. And the thing is, again, that's about men because you try being nine months pregnant with a full bladder with a baby kicking on it like that and you need to go to the loo every five minutes have any of you ever seen, no, I've never seen. a pregnant woman squatting down on the street and weeing no i like out in the countryside I've got no problem at all. I've got no problem because I, I think it's just But it's a really interesting point. I've never seen a pregnant lady... I've never seen uh, any woman do it unless they're blind drunk and no. falling over. But no. we, we find a toilet. No. And this idea that men are such babies that they can't get to a toilet, it, it's, it's pathetic. And I find it... I find it offensive. So offensive. And I was saying earlier, I think that word's so overused. I find it so offensive when I see a man... Just standing on the street and weird. It's like, what is wrong with you? It's weird though, but get I, yourself to a yeah, toilet. Yeah, no, it's weird though, but I do, I or do, hide. I do, I do think I, yeah, exactly. Right. I, I saw a guy when I was driving through Tooting late one night the other week, and there was a guy just weeing in the street. I was like, oh my god, I felt like Disgusting. pulling over and saying something to him. I have to confess, if I see if if you've got to go for a wee in the countryside, I don't have a problem with that man or woman or, or whatever. Um, you know, look, Lee Peart and Stacey Rail have just bought 10 gift memberships for everyone. That's very kind of you, Aww, Lee. That's very kind of you, Stacey. thanks, Lee. So 20 of you are now going to be, become members. Oh, that's so cute. And Stacey, that's thank so you. That's so kind. Also, just a brief note on that. Um, we've noted that, weirdly, there was a moment in the live No Name Sunday show this weekend where we had to change or reboot the Wi-Fi. And for some reason, on the when it's uploaded, the front 15 minutes has disappeared. So Michelle is chasing YouTube about that. It may well pop back up, but at the moment it seems to have been foreshortened. There's something very weird going on with YouTube at the moment where some things upload, then don't upload and then disappear. But guys, that's very kind of you. Very kind, thank, thank you. Thank you, Lee and Stacey, thank you. But on the weeing, I'm not like, yes, we can all get caught really short. I'm not against weeing in public, but it's when somebody is just standing in the street like that and just like doing it up against the wall. Couldn't you just go round the corner a bit? Couldn't you just, is there nowhere? Yeah. I think it's it's arrogant. It's so just, arrogant. Just demonstrate that again. <laughs> no, it's just the way you always seem to be de demonstrating with the hose part. <laughs> <laughs> it's just arrogant as fuck. Just it is. don't do it. And just briefly, it's threatening it, it, as well. Yeah. I don't. It scares me. But I agree. I agree. It's the fight. Go behind a tree was the constant refrain of my nan. Just go go behind a tree. And, and so you'd go and stand behind a tree and do a week. Um, anyway, Thank you, Leigh and Stacey. Yeah, very sweet. And just quickly, Elon Musk says the first implant has been put, a wireless implant has been put in a brain. So we're going to hear whether uh, biotech AI is succeeding. Actually, it could actually be a huge breakthrough for, I think, motor neuron disease and things like that. Wow. So um, so again, could could Elon Musk, the crazed entrepreneur, suddenly be elect turning us into electric vehicles? Um, and wow, David Cameron, just, just quickly, David Cameron, this is a news story that just broke just before we came on air. Uh, and this is big of him. Uh, UK will consider recognising Palestinian states, says David Cameron. Well, that's all well and good. A, why so long? B, is Netanyahu going to listen to you at all? C, just... <laughs> oh, no, I can't. Anyway. I can't. Anyway, anyway. Um, let's put our rage and our frustration into this 
fundraising event, please, um, please, free plan a ticket. Yeah. Thank you. Guys, have a lovely day and we'll